I'm beginning a new sermon series today, uh, Called to Follow, and we're going to be looking at this over the next few weeks, again, as we prepare for God's revitalization strategy for our church. And I want to invite you today to take your Bibles and turn to Ezekiel chapter 37. There's a church in the Czech Republic that's built on top of a centuries-old cemetery that holds 40,000 people who died from the Black Plague. And in the uh, 14th century, a Gothic church was built on top of the cemetery. And when they were digging to construct this church, they, of course, came across a, a lot of, of skeletons, a lot of bodies that were buried there. And so rather than just displace them and bury them someplace else, they decided to use them for some church decoration. And uh, this is known as the Bone Church in uh, Prague, uh, Czechoslovakia. And so we've got a chandelier there with uh, pelvic bones and femurs and skulls. And uh, so, Megan, I don't know, what do you think about, uh, you know, decorating a sanctuary like this? Any, anybody? Anybody in favor of that? Andrew is. Okay, Andrew, well, great. You and I will get on that. Yeah, it's kind of macabre, isn't it? I mean, it's just a little disturbing to think about worshiping in a sanctuary uh, decorated with human bones. But, you know, a church doesn't have to be decorated with literal bones or even built on top of a cemetery to be filled with death and decay. In fact, North America has tens of thousands of bone churches filled with people whose hearts are as hard as stone, whose spirits are dry, and whose vision is dead. They are lifeless, loveless, and lukewarm. These churches are comfortable, complacent, corrupted, and compromised. Basically, all of those churches from Revelation 7, except for the two Jesus had nothing negative to say about. Five of those churches, you could just say, are bone churches. And they were in need of revitalization. That, this is why our nation is in the state of moral and spiritual decay it's in. It's because we are a nation full of bone churches. I've shared the statistics with you before, but I'm going to throw these up here again. While the United States population grew 10% over the last 15 years, the number of unchurched adults grew nine times that. Between eight and 10,000 churches close their doors every year in this country. Now, this has led to a population church gap. In 1990, there was one church for every 3,800 Americans. Today, that gap is twice as big. It's one church for every, every 6,200 Americans. There's also an age gap in our country. Churchgoers are getting older compared to the generational population. Millennials are the most unaffiliated group of people a church, you know, to a church in American history. Millennials. Church attendance continues to decline. Forty percent of Americans say they attend church, but a lot of researchers have concluded that number is closer to 20% of Americans actually attend a worship service. By all estimations, while Christianity is on the increase worldwide, especially in the developing countries, it's in the decline in the United States and Western Europe. This is, you can't argue with these statistics. This is where we are, people. Now, Israel was in a similar situation during the prophet Ezekiel's lifetime. Israel was in captivity in Babylon. They felt like a dead nation without a future, without an identity, without any hope. 
They had lost their land. They had lost their king. They had lost their temple. But God gave Ezekiel a vision that, that for Israel is sort of like the, the, the illustration of the bone church is for us today. It was both a wake-up call, but also a word of hope. All was not lost. God was on the move. And someday, He was going to raise this dead nation to life once again. Now, as Christians, we are eternally and spiritually alive. And nothing can change that. Nothing can take away the eternal life that is ours in Christ Jesus. Not even the devil. He cannot touch your eternal spirit. And ultimately... The Bible tells us Satan will not prevail against the church. The church will be victorious. But in the meantime, what Satan can do and what he does is he attacks individual Christians and churches to distract and discourage and divide us. He wants to make us ineffective in carrying out the Great Commission. He wants to make us so busy and so distracted from God's call on us and His power that can work within us that our churches become like dry bones. God wants us to know that there is hope. There is hope for the churches in our country. There is hope for us. We can experience revitalization. But the question is how? How can we be revived so that we have renewed vitality and value, so that we can have a refocused vision? Well, Ezekiel's vision gives us three essential elements that we need for revitalization and renewal. And the first is that we must listen to God's Word. And I invite you to read along with me in your copy of the Scriptures in Ezekiel chapter 37. Verses 1 through 6. The hand of the Lord was upon me. He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. And then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Now, this was a disturbing vision for Ezekiel, as I'm sure it would be for any of us, right? But the Jewish people especially, they took great care to honor their dead. And here these once valiant soldiers lay in this battlefield. Their bones, their bodies were unwashed. Their bodies were unwrapped. They were unknown soldiers. They had become food for the vultures and their bones had been bleached dry by the sun. So these bones to Jewish people represented far more than just death. These were symbols of shame and judgment. So God had warned His people repeatedly that if they continued to reject Him, if they continued to worship false gods, if they continued to live like the pagans around them, God warned them that this would happen. He warned them all the way back in the, in, in the book of Deuteronomy, right? So here's Moses preaching to the people of Israel after the Exodus, right before they enter the promised land. And listen to what Moses tells them. 
The Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. You will come at them from one direction, but flee from them in seven. You'll become a thing of horror to all the kingdoms of the earth. Your carcasses will be food for all the birds and the wild animals, and there will be no one to frighten them away. And that's the vision. The results of that, the fulfillment of that, is what Ezekiel saw. Now, even more recently, to Jeremiah the prophet. So here's Jeremiah, and he's a prophet to Israel. And, uh, and, and at about the same time as Ezekiel, and Jeremiah said, I will deliver into the hands of their enemies who want to kill them. Their dead bodies will become food for the birds and the wild animals. Jeremiah is giving that prophecy before the Babylonian exile, and Ezekiel has this vision afterward. He sees this come to pass. But God's anger is fleeting. God is the God of second chances. He's the God of clean slates and fresh starts. This is not the end of Israel's story. God didn't bring Ezekiel into this valley to gloat or to rub Israel's face in it. He brought Ezekiel here to work a miracle. And that miracle began with the question, can these bones live? Can these bones live? Now, from a human perspective, the answer is what? <laughs> no. No way they can live. I mean, these, these aren't recently dead soldiers. I mean, at least, there's at least precedent in the Bible for God raising to life somebody who's been dead a couple days, right? So, you know, Jesus' friend Lazarus was on the extreme end of that. He'd been in the tomb four days. And the people thought, well, there's no way that God can bring Lazarus back. To these guys, there's no flesh there's no meat left on these bones. These bones are dry. They are desiccated. They are brittle. They are sun-bleached. There's nothing there that God could resuscitate. Is there? But from the heavenly perspective, we know that nothing's impossible for God, right? Nothing. Not even this valley of dry bones. Paul described God as the one who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. If God can create something from nothing, certainly He can make living bodies from dry bones. Amen? And like this valley of dry bones, the people of Israel thought they were way past resuscitation. They saw no hope that they would ever return to life as a nation in the promised land. But God was about to demonstrate that revitalization is possible. Now, I want to define a term here, this term revitalization. Revival and revitalization both basically mean the same thing. They're both from the same Latin words. Re, meaning again, and vivo, meaning life. So, both revitalize and revive mean to give life again. To give life again, which is exactly what God was going to do with these bones. And the first step to revitalization is to listen to God's Word. God commands Ezekiel to prophesy, in other words, to preach. He says, he has to preach to these bones. Now, as a preacher myself, I am sure Ezekiel probably felt at one time or another like he was preaching to the dead. I've been there. But to literally preach to bones? That's one tough crowd. No amens coming there. Now, he was preaching to Boneyard Baptist Church that day. And Ezekiel, he didn't give these bones some dry, dusty sermon. He brought a fresh, powerful, spirit-inspired message from God's Holy Word. 
Because there is power in God's Word. When God speaks, light bursts forth from darkness. When God speaks, nothing becomes something. When God speaks, water either pours from a rock or parts to make a way. When God speaks, storms stop and the dead are raised to life. There is power in the Word of God. The Word of God is a Word of light and creativity. It's a Word of provision and peace. It's a Word of hope and life. The power of God's Word can certainly change even the most hopeless of situations for people, for churches, for communities, even for nations. Hebrews 4.12 tells us that the Word of God is alive. The Word of God is active. It's powerful. It's penetrating. 1 Peter 1.23 says that we are born again through the living and enduring Word of God. And Jesus said in John 6.63, The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Whatever hopeless situation you may feel like you're facing, no matter how lifeless you may feel like your life has become, the Word of God can give you life. The Word of God can give you enduring hope. The Word of God has the power to transform our hearts, our minds, our relationships, our lives. But for that to happen, we have to believe what it says, don't we? We have to believe the Word of God. Ezekiel believed. He believed that God would indeed make breath enter these lifeless bones. And out of his belief in God's promises, Ezekiel obeyed and he preached to these dry bones. And you know what happened? He heard a rattling sound. And he looked and he saw the bones beginning to come together. See, when we as a church really believe God's Word, that Jesus loves His church, that Jesus died for His church, that Jesus is presently at work purifying His church and making us holy, when we believe what God says, that He places every member of the church exactly where He wants them to be, that God uniquely shapes each and every one of us for a purpose in His church, like a, like a puzzle piece, that we can work together like the parts of a body to accomplish His plan. When we believe in the Great Commission and the empowering of the Holy Spirit so that the world can really know that we belong to Jesus. When we believe those things, we'll hear the sounds of rattling bones. We'll begin to hear the sounds of revival bursting forth from this corner and echoing throughout this community and this nation. FBC Thompson, my question for you this morning is, will you read? Will you listen to? Will you meditate on God's powerful Word? Will you believe it? Will you live it? Because we must, if we want to be revived and renewed, we must listen to the Word of God. Secondly, we must gather with God's people. We must gather with God's people. Let's look at verses 7 and 8. So I prophesied as I was commanded... And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. So, 
after Ezekiel proclaimed God's Word to these bones, they started to come together. Clicking together like a, a room full of kids building Lego. Just clicking all together. Or like a box full of macaroni and cheese. He just heard that rattling sound. And the foot bone connected to the ankle bone. And the ankle bone connected to the shin bone. And the shin bone connected to the knee bone. And by the time it was done, they were complete skeletons laying all throughout this valley. And then tendons and muscles and skin came together until whole complete bodies lay throughout this valley. Now this is an apt illustration for the church. Because the Apostle Paul compared the church to a body. He said that we are the body of Christ. Listen to what he says in 1 Corinthians 12. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is made up of not of one part, but of many. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Now you are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part of it. You see, some church members are the backbone of the church. They provide much-needed support to the workings of the church through their, through their praying and through their giving and through their encouraging. Some people are leg and foot bones doing the heavy lifting and helping to move the church forward into the world with the gospel. Some people are the hands of the church, touching lives and compassionately meeting needs and extending hope. Others are the mouth, speaking the Word of God to those who need to hear it. Other members are the ears, listening for the voice of God to speak and to guide and direct the church. And some are eyes, seeing where needs are and where God is working so that we can join Him there. But do you know what bones don't belong in a revitalized, healthy, growing church? You know what bones God doesn't need? It doesn't put in the body. The first is the wishbone. Okay, the wishbone. See, those are the folks who wish things were different, but aren't willing to do any work to bring about the change. God has no use for wishbones. You know what the other one is? The knuckle bone. The knuckle bone. Those are the people who are willing to fight for whatever it is that is their pet peeve, that is their special preference. They're just willing to take anybody to task to fight for their own way. And God has no use for wishbones or knuckle bones in the church. So don't be one, okay? God created the church. Jesus died for the church. Because God has always been about calling to Himself a people. Not just a disparate group of individuals. God has always been at work to create a community of faith, a family, all the way back to Genesis. God has always been about family. And you know, the church, we, we've been talking about this on, on Sunday nights in our cross-current study. The church isn't just like a family. The church is a family. This is your family. These are the people, I want you to look around and think about this. Look around at the people around you. These are the faces you're going to see for all eternity. Amen. Isn't that great? This is your family. 
It's not just like a family. It's not just an analogy. It's what it is. And we need each other. If we're going to experience the kind of meaning and joy and love that we say we want in life, we need the church. See, when someone comes to faith in Christ, that person is saved and called into the church. They become adopted children in God's family. It is through local churches that God desires His children to worship Him together. To grow our faith in community as we pray for each other and hold each other accountable and encourage each other on to love and good deeds and as we help to meet each other's needs. It is for service in and through the local church that God shapes us with spiritual gifts and natural abilities. And it is through the local church that we are sent out to make disciples of Jesus from all people. The church is essential. It's as essential as God's Word. But you know, we can't stop with God's Word and God's people. By itself, those are not enough to bring about revitalization. Yeah, these bones took on flesh. They became complete bodies, but there's no breath. They look alive, but they're not alive. And you know what's lacking? It's the Spirit of God. It's the third thing we have to have. We must be filled with God's Spirit. Look at verse 9. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. So first Ezekiel preached to the bones, and now he's preaching to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. And they, and they came to life and stood on their feet, a vast army. And then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up, our hope is gone, we're cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the Sovereign Lord says O my people. I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live. And I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. While the preaching of the Word could put these bones back together into bodies, they didn't find new life until the Spirit of God moved within them to revive them from the dead. So we can pray and preach, and we should. We can meet and discuss, we can plan and prepare for renewal, and we should. But our church will only experience revitalization and revival when God moves in our midst. He alone can make these dry bones live again. We can't do it. I can't do it. You can't do it. The deacons can't do it. Our revitalization team can't do it. We can do our parts, but God must do His part or nothing ever will change. Now, here's the good news. God wants to revive us. God promises to revive us. We can trust that God will do His part. The question is, will we do ours? There's no doubt God will do His part. The question is, will we do ours? You see, God is telling the captive Jews, you will live again. He's promising to bring them home to the promised land, to restore them as a special people on the earth through whom He will bless all nations. He promises that a miraculous transformation is on its way. Just as Jesus spoke to raise Lazarus from the dead, 
Just as the Father spoke to bring Jesus out of the grave, so God promises to make alive anyone who is spiritually dry, emotionally discouraged, or mentally disconnected. He promises to put His Spirit within us so that we will live. The question is, will we open ourselves up to receive His life-giving Spirit? God is calling all of us in this church to be His mouthpiece for revitalization and renewal. We all need to speak to one another and hear from one another these powerful promises of God. We all need to believe that God can and will take what is dry and stale and lifeless and make it alive and vibrant once again. Is there dryness in your bones? Do you have a thirst that you just can't seem to quench? See, this valley of dry bones speaks to the spiritual condition of our churches, our communities, our nations, our families, and ourselves. You may feel totally incapable of meeting the needs that you see all around you. You may think that the situation in this church or this community or this country or in your own life, you may feel like it's hopeless, that nothing's ever going to change. But you know what? None of us can be any more inadequate to the task than Ezekiel was standing there preaching to a valley full of dry bones, right? That's about as hopeless a situation, as impossible a task as you can face. But it wasn't the bones condition that mattered. It was Ezekiel's faith and his willingness to obey God and trust Him with the results. And the same is true for us. It doesn't matter the condition. That you're in, that our church, our community, our country's in. That doesn't matter. What matters is your faith. What matters is are you going to be obedient to God and trust Him to make a difference? God didn't send a politician to that valley. He didn't send a social worker, a doctor, or an educator. You know who He sent? He sent a preacher. Ezekiel wasn't in that valley by his own inclination. And he wasn't in there by the invitation of the bones. He was there by the divine call of God. Because God and His Word and His people and His Spirit was what they needed. Now, throughout the Bible, from the very beginning, we see God at work doing this very thing. Reviving, renewing, revitalizing. In Genesis, God brought order out of chaos. Light from darkness. And He made humanity from the dirt of the ground. In the book of Judges, the cycle of disobedience and decline is followed by God's discipline that resulted in repentance and renewal of the covenant. In the New Testament, after the cross on Good Friday was the empty tomb on Easter Sunday. Jesus Himself defeated death to bring everlasting life to everyone who believes in Him. In Acts, we witness the birth of the church from the dry bones of Judaism. And in Revelation, God promises to heal all the broken things. Someday, Jesus is going to come back and He's going to restore and renew everything. So don't you think God can breathe new life into you? Into our nation? Into McDuffie County? Into First Baptist Thompson? Just this last week, I got a card from Bill Black, thanking this church for our generous support. We're the number one giving church to Smoky Mountain Resort Ministries. And, it, and, and right before I got this, I would received an email uh, update, report from Bill to the board of directors. And I want to read you a story he wrote in that email. 
He said, last week I met with an Ober-Gatlinburg employee who lost everything in the Gatlinburg fire. Went through a marriage and divorce, and since December experienced the death of her mother, the suicide of her brother, and then her sister died in her arms after an accident. She was also evicted from her apartment in Pigeon Forge. We met for the first time, and I expected to be dealing with counseling, setting up professional help for her, I opened in a prayer because I could tell she could barely breathe in life. And I prayed God would breathe into her. As I finished, she said her nightmare is that she will burn forever. And that led her to praying for salvation within five minutes. It was a powerful Holy Spirit moment. Amen? Here's a woman who felt like that her life was hopeless. That everything was dry and broken and over and God breathed new life into her. Maybe this morning you feel like this woman. Maybe you feel like you can barely breathe. I want you to know God wants to breathe His Spirit, His truth, His light, His life, His peace. He wants to breathe this into you. When you don't feel like you can go on for another day, God can carry you if you trust Him. His Spirit can bring anyone new life. His Spirit can make any day a new day. In order for our church to be revived, it's going to require a mighty moving of the Spirit of God. See, church revitalization begins with the laying of the foundation of God's Word, the coming together of God's people, and the moving of God's Spirit. And when those three powerful forces come together, that's when revival happens. That's when God restores His people to their first love. That's when He renews in us the life that is already ours in Christ. That's when He refocuses us toward greater obedience to the Great Commission and the Great Commandments. And y'all, I believe that the best days of First Baptist Thompson aren't behind us. I believe they're laying out there before us waiting to be discovered. I believe that. And I'm trusting God to do what He promises. I'm trusting Him to bring revitalization to a church that's devoted to His Word, that's together in love and unity, and that's dependent on the power of His Spirit. I'm looking for God to bring a level of health and growth to this church that none of us have ever seen in our lifetimes. I'm expecting God to act sovereignly to restore those who have wandered far from home. Those that maybe haven't darkened this door in years. Wouldn't it be amazing to watch God's Spirit move in their lives and to refill this place once again. And to be seeking Him and seeking to worship Him with their church family. I believe we will see very soon the Spirit of God restoring His people to a more vital spiritual life and witness and work through prayer and the Word. Do you believe this? Do you believe this is possible? Do you? Do you? If so, what are you willing to do about it? What are you willing to do to embrace and listen to the Word of God? To gather together as one family in love and unity and to be dependent upon the life-giving Spirit of the Word of God. I don't know what you're dealing with in your life today. You may be like that woman. You may feel life is hopeless. You may feel like everything's dry and dead and broken. As we sing in just a moment, I invite you to come to this altar. I'll be here to speak with you and to pray with you. Would you trust the God 
who came down as helpless babe, who lived a sinless life and died on the cross to pay your penalty. That God that loves you so much, the God that can raise the dead back to life, will you trust Him this morning to give you new life? Will you trust Him this morning to put the broken bones in your life back together again? I invite you to come. You don't have to know the right things to say or do. You just have to come and just throw yourself into His merciful, loving arms. Maybe God is speaking with you to unite with this church. To say, yes, I do want to gather with this church. I want this church to be my family. This is where I want to serve and grow. This is where I want to learn the Word of God and be filled with the Spirit of God. Then you come and unite with this church today. But for the rest of us, I want to ask you, will you pray? Will you pray with faith, with great expectation of what God can and wants to and will do through this church? Would you stand with me and pray? Father, we thank You for Your Word. Your Word that can put all of the broken pieces of our lives and our churches and our communities back together. We thank You for Your people, Lord. We're not perfect. That's why we need each other. That's why we need to be encouraged by one another. That's why we need to hold each other accountable. That's why we need each other to, to meet our needs. We need this family. We thank You for Your life-giving Spirit. And we pray Your Spirit would breathe in us, move through us, and give us new life. Give us new vision. Give us new energy and strength and focus. Father, whatever You're speaking to people's hearts, I pray this morning, they would be obedient like Ezekiel. They would step out in faith. Not because they think they can do anything, but because they desperately need You to do everything. We ask it all in Jesus' powerful and strong name.